0: My name is Keith Beavers and do you have the juice or do you have the sauce? Think about it. What's going on wine lovers? Welcome to episode one of Vine Pears Wine 101 podcast. My name is Keith Beavers. I'm the tastings director of VinePair. What up? Wow. The first episode of a Wine 101 podcast. I mean, what do we even talk about, guys? How wine is made, the vine, I don't know. Just kidding. I got it all figured out. Guys, over the next 30 episodes, we're really going to get to know each other, and we're going to get some wine knowledge in your brains. It's going to be crazy. It's going to freak you out. But before we get into all like the real deep stuff, Let's talk about just you and a glass of wine. This is how it all began, right? You and a wine glass going, huh? This is really cool, I like this stuff. So let's talk about how you and wine interact with each other before we get into anything else. Let's start here. This episode of Wine101 is sponsored by ENJ Gallo Winery. At E&J Gallo Winery, we exist to serve life's most joyful and memorable moments. From our humble beginnings and yo. It was humble, like a house in a field in Modesto, California. The hallmark of our company has been an unwavering commitment to making quality wine for all consumers to enjoy. Whether it's getting barefoot and having a great time, or making everyday sparkle with marca Prosecco, or continuing a legacy with Louis Martini and Napa, and guys, that is a legacy. We'll get into it at some point. We are here to welcome new consumers into our category, make it easier to enjoy wines, and capture attention in the moments that matter. Cheers, and all the best. So like I said, you and a glass of wine, this is where it all starts. I mean, I don't know where you are on your wine journey, you know, are you like, just popping off now? Like, yeah, I'm gonna get into wine. (laughs) Or are you like, I like wine, I drink it, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I enjoy it. Well, wine is so complex, so beautiful and so expressive that if you're worried about whether you know how to taste wine or not, you don't have to because you're already doing it. It's, it's your brain is reacting to the wine no matter what. And if you just focus on a few things, like you the natural process of drinking wine, you look at a wine, you sniff it, maybe you do, maybe you don't, you probably do, take a sip. Those three things. If you have information in those categories, every time you drink a wine, you'll get more and more confident about what you're doing and you'll kind of start to get a sense of your own preferences. And this is not a professional wine tasting episode. That's a whole other category. For us, all we're gonna do is we're gonna see, we're gonna swirl, we're gonna sniff, and we're gonna sip. That swirl thing we'll get into. Don't don't worry about the swirl thing. It's it's really not a thing. It's a thing, but it's not a thing. And by the time this episode is over, you'll be like, I got this. You buy a bottle of wine, you pour it into a glass, now what? (laughs) Well, let's get into this. So the first thing you do with a glass of wine, obviously when, you, when you're pouring it, what are you doing? You're looking at the wine. You're observing with your eye the wine. And the cool thing is there are things you can see that help you understand the wine a little bit more. It's not as important as the other steps, but it's a very, very cool thing to get used to. So you're looking at the glass. Is it a white wine or a red wine? <laughs> I know that's simple and fundamental, but it's something to start with, right? It's a white wine or a red wine, okay. So if it's a white wine, how white is that white wine? We all know it's not really white. It's golden hued and all this. What part of the spectrum of yellow to gold do you see? Do you see a deep, dark white wine that may indicate there's been some oak aging and maybe some little bit of air got to it and it kind of browned a little bit? Or is it a very light wine that it can, like a very bright, clean, almost yellowish green tint that indicates maybe a nice, fresh, new, young white wine? And this observation of the spectrum of color in the white wine will become more and more obvious as you taste more wine. Because sometimes when you look at a color of a wine, it can indicate what you will eventually actually smell on the nose. I know, it's crazy. For a red wine, how dark is it? Can you see through it? If you look it up, if you hold it up and look look at it, can you see through the wine or can you not see through the wine? And often... Now in the professional world, we always like to have a white background, but if you don't have a white background, don't worry about it. You can sometimes like put the glass on a table and look top down into the glass. Sometimes you can hold it up to the light. You can kind of tilt it a little bit, whatever you feel you wanna do. If you have a white background, go ahead and use it. But what we're trying to do is look at the clarity of the wine and it's often an indication as to if the wine is gonna be a little more full bodied or if the wine is gonna be a little bit lighter in body. And often when you can see light through a red wine, it's already an indication of your brain through your that it might be a little bit of a lighter red wine. If you can't see through that glass and it's like opaque as hell, then it's it's there's a good indication it's gonna be a little bit weighty on the palate because of this thing called acidity, which we'll get into. Speaking of tilting the glass, for a red wine, what's really fun is if you, could, that, that if you actually can just tip it and look at it at an angle, tip it away from you, if you look at the edge of the red wine, You can, if you see a variance of color, like a little bit of a rusty color, that's an indication the wine's actually done some aging. A lot of the wines we drink, guys, is going to be young, ready for Tuesday night and burgers. Let's do this every once in a while. And as you go on your wine journey, you'll get wines that have been aged older and older wines. As a wine gets older, its color changes a little bit and it gets a little bit rusty on the edges. It's actually really sexy, but that's another indication from the eye. Okay, we got to get this out of the way. Somewhere, someplace, somebody made this misleading statement. The legs of a wine or the tears of a wine in the wine glass are indication of wine quality. It's not true. The only thing you can notice with the legs or the tears of a wine is the amount of alcohol that might be in the wine. And these days, we can see the alcohol percentages on the back of the wine labels. So this must have been something that came up around the time when we didn't have those kinds of regulations. What's happening is, as the wine covers the inner wall surface area of a wine glass, gravity happens and it's just trying to fall back into the wine. But if the wine has a higher alcohol, it takes longer for that alcohol to evaporate. And as that because it takes that long, the legs are thicker and slower and they fall down slower. In the event that the wine has a lighter alcohol, that means that the alcohol evaporates quicker and the legs are a little bit thinner and they fall back faster into the wine glass. That's it. So I know it's not a lot, but it's something to kind of get used to. Is it red? Is it white? What kind of white? What kind of red? What's the hue? What's the spectrum? All that stuff. Ignore the legs. That's the eye. You see the glass. You've poured the wine. It's in your glass, and that's what you see. Don't be nervous, but now we take the wine to the face. That's right. It's time to smell the wine, or as we say in the industry, time to nose the wine. I know. It's weird. This has got to be the most nerve-wracking, most anxiety-producing step in tasting wine. Even if you're a professional, it's not easy. Because the thing is about the nose of a wine is you're you 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 will feel pressure <laughs> among friends or whatever, maybe by yourself, I don't know, um, to draw out of the wine the correct aromas. And here's a tip, there's no correct aromas. There are consistent aromas that happen in every wine or every kind of wine, like all Chardonnays or all Cabs or something like that. But beyond that, it's all very subjective. So you don't have to be worried about any of it. Let's, but this is what's happening with your brain. Let's talk about what's happening with your brain and once you understand how your brain works with this stuff, you'll be like, oh, this is cool. Check it. So you've poured wine into the glass you've looked at the wine, you've tilted it a little bit, and all this time when you're doing that, it's agitating the wine a little bit. And as you're agitating the wine a little bit and looking at it, oxygen is rushing into that wine glass. And as oxygen is rushing into that wine glass, the alcohol is evaporating a little bit. And just above the surface of the wine, in that bowl of the stemware, and we'll talk about stemware at some point in this this series is a collection of molecules that come together to form these things called flavor compounds. And you can't see them, obviously, but they're just hovering over the surface of the wine. And when you stick your nose into that wine, you are drawing up through the vaporization of what's going on in that glass, you're drawing up these flavor compounds into your senses. Now this is crazy, but bear with me. Our brain receives sensory information through our nostrils and it goes up our nostrils to what is called the olfactory bulb. And these flavor compounds make their way to the brain through these things called receptor cells. And each of these cells have a single gene in them that actually receive these flavor compounds, sometimes called odorants. These flavor compounds individually make their way to the olfactory bulb, kind of like pixels in a computer screen image. And then these com- these compounds are sent to different parts of the brain and that forms a pattern and makes you say something like, blueberry, kind of like a computer image being formed by a bunch of pixels. I know that's kind of general, but you get the, you get the idea, right? So when you stick your nose in that glass and all these things rush up into your senses and form these patterns in your brain, it is only accessing what is called your sense memory. Everything you've smelled in your life Is up there in your little hard drive. And the average human is able to recognize and memorize up to 10,000 different aromas. Not professional people, you. I mean, this whole thing we're talking about takes up 3% of your genetic makeup, the average human. Also, our olfactory senses are extremely acute. The average human can sense, recognize, and memorize. A compound as small as one part per trillion. I don't really know how small it is, but that's like way small. I mean, you know what it's like. You smell something that could remind you of something you experienced in your childhood. That's how awesome our brains are. And what's cool about this is the professionals and you are basically the same. It's just, t- just tapping into it. You already have it there. But wine is very complex, and sometimes the aromas, that the patterns that it forms in your brain, it just just can't get it right away, and that's totally fine. So what's happening here is when you're smelling a wine, all that science stuff is happening, and you're accessing what's called your sense memory. If you've experienced it, you'll smell it in the wine, maybe, maybe not, depending how far back or whatever, where it is in your brain. If you've never smelled asparagus in your life and someone next to you goes, I'm getting asparagus on here and you don't, you'll never smell it because you've never smelled asparagus and that's awesome. See, that's what's really cool about nosing a wine, Ugh, industry lingo, smelling a wine is all you're doing is you're putting your nose in that glass, you're experiencing that rush of senses up into your nose your olfactory bulb is forming all these patterns and you're going okay maybe I smell something I recognize maybe I don't maybe I smell grapes that's great because you know what grapes make wine so if you smell grapes that's awesome so don't worry so much about the specific aromas that you can remember that you think of unless it's like obvious like oh well there's obviously asparagus and some blueberries whatever when you put your nose to a wine you've looked at it you've assessed the color and when you put your nose in there is it good do you enjoy the nose? Do you enjoy the smell of the wine? Or is it like, oh God, this is, I don't like the smell of this thing. I have wines that I don't like the smell of. There are—I I, doesn't matter how many times I smell this type, this grape that makes this wine. I'm not a fan of it just because something about the wine is off-putting to me. Do you enjoy what you're smelling and do you want to take a sip of it? That's really what it comes down to. And beyond that, if you want to tap into your nose <laughs> and tap into your olfactory bulb and try to, try to, persuade your brain to think about the things that might be in the wine. It's really fun. The reason why it's fun to eventually train your brain to kind of recognize different kinds of aromas that you may remember is that once you do that, that'll set into your memory as well and help you form preference. So, for example, you smell a certain group of aromas that you've that you've you figured it out. You know, you know what? That's a rosemary. I smell rosemary. I smell leather. Is that weird? I smell leather. And is that. What is that? Is that tobacco leaf? Like my grandpa used to smoke in the in the you know while he was watching TV. Like there, you have a pattern. If you enjoy those group of aromas in that wine, you now know that that kind of wine will give off that kind of aroma, and you've already now you have a now you have something to go on. Here's a fun thing to do if you want to taste wine and kind of concentrate on what you're tasting. When you pour the glass of wine, before you agitate it or anything, smell it before it's been messed with. Then, agitate the wine, whether you tip it or whatever you want to do. You can swirl it. If you don't know how to swirl a wine, don't worry about it. Just rock the wine glass back and forth while on the table. Let it just go. Just get it all. You're just trying to get oxygen in there. Just trying to get it evaporating. Because, like, swirling is sexy, but it's not needed. I mean, once you get the swirl down, you're like, yeah, I got that swirl. But really, we're just, again, we're just trying to get oxygen in there. So then, smell it again. And you might actually notice more. So the wine is kind of sleepy, you know, you're looking at it, you're smelling it. Oh, that smells nice. Then if you agitate it and then go and smell it again, you might actually get some stuff rushing into your senses that you'll recognize. It's a a cool way to kind of start understanding aromas in wine. Now, I got to be honest, you know, I've been doing this wine thing for a couple decades now and... You know, it's, it's part of my job to review wine, to draw those aromas out as descriptors and try to put them in reviews if they're, if they're relevant. But I must admit that when I'm out at a restaurant having a glass of wine or hanging out with my friends, aromas aren't the first thing that I, I go to. I'm not like hanging out with friends or talking about something in my mind. I'm going, mm, yeah, I'm getting blueberry and asparagus. It's wonderful. I'm just enjoying the wine. But like I said, these getting aromas out of a wine is fun. It's subjective, and it can help you form a preference. Now, I know in the wine world, we call those the aromas flavor compounds, but this is going to mess with your mind just a little bit. Once you put the wine on your palate, you're not tasting the flavor of a wine you're experiencing and confirming the aromas that are on that you smelled in your nose on your palate because as the temperature of your mouth starts to interact with the wine the wine vaporizes even more, and those aromas intensify. And then what happens is they go back behind your nose, what's called the retronasal passage, and hits your olfactory bulb from there. So that's what it really is. You're not tasting a flavor of wine. You're experiencing wine on the palate that is confirming what you smelled and then going up your the back of your nose, into your brain. Now, sometimes we do this weird thing in the wine world where we suck air into our mouths while we have wine on the palate, and what that's doing is it's further oxidizing the wine, further vaporizing the wine, so that we can even get get even more aroma into it. It's annoying, and if you start doing it, you might drool a little bit, and that's totally cool. I don't, what annoys me is I do it with everything now. Tea, water, I, it sucks. I'm always doing th- 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 with everything, but you don't have to do that. When you smell a wine or a nose a wine, you're getting a sense of the wine's personality, its character. When you put that wine on your palate, you already know the character and personality of the wine. Because the flavor is actually aroma and it carries over from the nose to the palate. What your mouth is doing and what your palate is sensing is the texture and dimension of the wine. You're going to feel the weight, the astringency, the austerity. Like, what is is it doing on your palate? How is it restricting on your palate? Or how is it flowing on your palate? I know that sounds weird, so let's get a little bit more detailed. Just like we have receptor cells in our sense of smell and our olfactory bulb, to assess the aromas of a wine or whatever we smell. So do we have in the mouth. They're called taste buds and they're on our tongue. Now there was a time when the wine world thought that scientifically there were regions of our mouth that were sensitive to certain things and not other things like bitterness or sweetness or saltiness and all that. That has since been disproven. The truth is that our taste buds have receptor cells and they are each of them individually sensitive to the five primary tastes, sweetness, acidity, bitterness, saltiness, and umami. So wine is kind of more than those five primary senses because it builds on those. So with wine, when you put the wine on your palate, your wine is assessing fizziness. Like, is it a bubbly wine? It's attacking. You can kind of feel, you know, when you drink seltzer or champagne, you feel that you can feel the bubbles. You can also taste the temperature of a wine, whether it's warm, whether it's cool. You can also taste the viscosity of a wine. Is it kind of chewy? Is it have like this kind of oily thing going on? You can also taste the extract. Like if it's a really highly extracted wine, it's a really dark, intense fruit. Your palate's like, oh, it's intense. You can, also, you can also kind of understand the heat of alcohol. Sometimes wines are so high in alcohol that when you put it on your palate, you can feel the heat of that. But really what people talk about a lot is the tannin, that drying sensation in your mouth. You really get a sense of tannin on the palate. You can't smell tannin, but you can taste tannin. So what's happening here is, you've looked at the wine, you've assessed what it looks like, you put your nose in that glass, and you understand now how your brain works, and how it assesses the aromas of the wine, whether you wanna grab them out or not. Then when you put it on your palate, it's almost like it all comes together the aromas and the texture all come together on the palate and kind of finishes the enjoyment of the, of that one sip of wine. You have it all the information you need right there. Now, when you swallow the wine, it's no longer in your mouth, but the wine can sometimes leave an impression. This is what we call the finish or the aftertaste. Again, in the wine world, we have all these fancy words for things that are just normal, like aftertaste, but it's called the finish. And for us in the wine, in the professional wine world, sometimes a finish is a really good indication of a quality of a wine, which at some point we'll get into that stuff. But really for you guys, a finish is not as important unless it's something that helps you enjoy a wine more or puts up a red flag that you may not want it again. If a wine has a lot of tannins in it, it's very restrictive on the palate and astringent. When you swallow that wine, the impression of that is going to hang out for a minute, and that's called a long finish. Sometimes a wine doesn't have a lot of tannin and it's not as grippy and it's a little more fruity. And then you swallow it and it kind of lasts for a minute and then and it drops off. It's called a medium finish. Then like you have some young wines that you drink a wine, we call them I call them like kind of neutral wines. You drink a wine You swallow it and it's just like gone. (laughs) Not really gone, gone, but gone. You know what I mean? That's called a short finish. Again, now this is not that important, but it's another thing that you can use to help you find your preferences. So now you guys have a nice fundamental base for all this, right? You know know what's happening when you look at a glass of wine. You know what's happening when you put your nose in that glass. You know what's happening when it's on your palate. And you know what's happening after you swallow it. And then you can use this episode, because we're going to get more and more involved, but you always have this episode to come back to, to kind of remind yourself that this is your interaction with the wine, and that you already interact with it, but this is how you kind of like focus on it. And you can do it at your own pace, whether it's slow or fast or medium, whether you want to grab aromas out and try to get asparagus or not, it's up to you. Because wine is about, when you buy a bottle of wine, that's your bottle. Who cares? You drink it, you enjoy it, you can smell it, or you don't have to think about it. Maybe one night, you know, like, I'm really going to think about this wine. And one night, you're like, no, I just want to drink wine. And just know, wine is so complex and so wild. It's, just, it's one of the most complex alcoholic beverages we have. It is, there's so much going on inside of a wine that since antiquity, it has been a mystery to us we f- we we think we understand wine and then wine shows us something new. So just know that as you're on your journey of wine, everybody in the professional world including me, we are also on a journey. I learn something every day about wine. And everybody else does too. Some of the most some of the most skilled wine people in the world still learn about wine. So we're all in this together. And we start here. Next week, we're gonna build on this. Now that we know how to taste, we're gonna talk about what makes a wine. What is structure, acidity, tannin? What does all this mean? And how do we tie it all together to make sense of it all, to enjoy wine more? Check me out on Instagram, it's at Keith. I do all my stuff in stories. Also, if you're not, follow at Pair, Their Instagram account is awesome. And actually, I do a story every Wednesday, a 15 second wine review. And don't forget to listen to the Vine Pair Podcast, which is hosted by Erica, Adam, and Zach. It's a great deep dive into drinks culture every week. This has been so damn fun, I cannot wait for next week. Now for some credits. How about that? Wine 101 is recorded and produced by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mellon. I also want to thank Daniel Grinberg for making the most legit Wine 101 logo. And i got to thank Darby Seaside for making this amazing song. I mean, listen to this epic stuff. And finally, I want to thank the Vine Pair staff for helping me learn more every day. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. This episode of Wine 101 has been sponsored by e j Gallo Winery. At e Gallo Winery, we exist to serve life's most joyful and memorable moments. From our humble beginnings, the hallmark of our company has been an unwavering commitment to making quality wine for all consumers to enjoy. Whether it's getting barefoot and having a great time, making everyday sparkle with La Marca Prosecco, or continuing a legacy with Louis Martini and Napa, we are here to welcome new customers into our category, make it easier to enjoy wines, and capture attention in the moments that matter. Cheers, and all the best.